Yo, 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 what up, guys? It's Jacques Slade here for Outside the Box Podcast. It is the best thing since sliced bread or since Michael Jordan was in the NBA, Some, somewhere in between those two. Uh, I am Jacques Slade, also known as Cousteau, but obviously I can't do this entire show by myself. I have two of the coolest guys I know here with me. Uh, and let's start off with my main man, Brandon. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Brandon Edler, content manager at Finish Line. I really appreciate everybody who checked out the first episode. Hope we come through and do something dope for you guys again. Next up, we got our man, Nick Engvall. What up, guys? Uh, Nick Engvall here. Uh, yeah, I started SneakerHistory.com and uh, just kind of been a sneaker guy and uh, learning from guys like our special guest today, uh, Russ Bankson. Hey, what's up? How's it going? You've got four of us today. Uh, Russ Bankson. Been doing sneaker things for a long time. Still a complex... Uh, Mostly just writing about him these days, but um, yeah, slam, quick strike, kicks, a few things. Glad to be here. Yeah, Russ Bankston is the sneaker god, folks. Don't let him play coy <laughs> or play cool with you guys. A guy. guy, just a guy. He he is he is the resource. He's he's just just a guy, <laughs> but to us, he's the man. So let's start this off and talk about. Let's start this off talking about retros, guys. Um, the state of retros, the state of Jordan brand. It's been. I'll say in flux. Um, there are actually retros sitting on the shelves now, and that's not something that we're used to, at least not in the last couple of years. So, Russ, since you're here, I'm going to kind of start it off with you, just you know, so people can get to know who you are and, and, and your perspective on things. What's what's happening with Jordan Brand right now? In I mean, the retro I feel like it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, obviously, this the whole remastered concept got a lot of attention and uh, was pretty welcomed by most people, um, you know. But then it kind of led into a lot of the models being not necessarily the original colorways or the ones people were really looking for. You know, they're retroing things from two thousand one instead of from nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety one. Um, you know, so some of those I feel like sat, um, and I feel like also, you know, price hikes have been, you know, understandable from a production standpoint, from an inflation standpoint, from everything, but, you know, it's a lot to ask, you know, and are, are people going to still keep buying 10 sneakers a month or whatever the number is when you're charging 190 instead of 160? Um, you know, I feel like that's a that's a big jump for a lot of people. And, you know, you have to consider what is a must buy at that point is maybe different than what it was when prices were a little lower. Do you think uh, and I actually Nick, I'll bring you in here. I'll throw you into the fire with this one. Um, is there a, is there some sort of you think there's a sneaker fatigue happening right now as far as the retros go? I don't I don't necessarily think that it's a, a, a fatigue necessarily. I think that I think that we've kind of hit a point where really there's almost just too much good stuff out there. You know, like the last last few years, retro, you know, Jordan brand retros has dominated as far as sales go. But the other brands have really been creating some good stuff to kind of go along with that. And I think in the last six to nine months, all of those brands have kind of gotten a little bit more awareness out there and, and a little bit more publicity so there's just more choices um and and when you start talking about you know the price increases and stuff like that you it's it's kind of one of it kind of goes hand in hand once you once you start looking at okay i'm going to spend 200 or more on a pair of shoes you know like 
remastered or not, that shoe has to be pretty incredible for most people to spend that kind of money on it. So is there, I guess I'm going to kind of switch lanes a little bit here. Why don't, why doesn't Jordan brand retro anything after the 14 with the exception of the 23 and the dub zero? I'd say, I'd say give Brandon a shot at that one. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I just, it's great product. It's good basketball shoes. Jordan brand always did a great job in terms of innovation, giving something that was wearable on the court. But I think once you get past the 14, that's really, you know, there's only one or two or three models that you look at and you're like, all right, I would really rock that off the court too. And I think that was the major appeal of Jordan. And that's why it's done so well for all these years is because obviously you see people still wearing ones as a fashion statement. The same with twos, threes, fours. You keep going down the line. Once you start hitting like 16s, 19s, 20s, some of those types of shoes, like it's just not something that you're going to rock on a daily basis. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, to me, I think some of those are going to come back. I mean, there is going to be a point where it's like, all right, we can't release more threes or more fours or more fives. Like they're coming too fast. Um, You know, you're going to have to sort of chop that up with, 17s or you know what have you um the difficulty is i think a lot of those like people who bought 20s or 21s or 22s i mean those people still have those you know it's like i i don't think i think the people who bought those are the same people who bought the first generation of retro product and if you're like a completist collector kind of guy like you don't need another pair you don't need another pair of 20s if you're going to wear them that's one thing but the early ones are just so much more wearable from a casual perspective than those later performance models. Like, I, I think it's a tough sell. And I think they saw that when they re-released the 20, when they did the Laser 20 this year uh, for All-Star. It's like, I didn't see a lot of people really wearing those out. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I just going to say, I would definitely agree. I think, you know, like, with the exception of, like, maybe the 17 original colorways of the 20 and maybe the 23, a lot of those shoes are just not something that people are going to wear casually, at least not right now. You know, like the trend in style is very much basic, you know, like, you know, Jordan 1s being so incredibly popular. Part of that is, yes, they have the nostalgic aspect of them and they're a good looking shoe, but it's also because it's just the perfect mix of, you know, what's trendy on the fashion side and what's you know how it can blend together in my opinion so i was having a conversation i'm gonna throw this out there for you guys to see what you think about this um we all for the most part grew up during that time the jordan time the one through 14 so to speak 17 like the 90s were you know late 80s early 90s when most of us grew up so we what we thought was cool is what's in now so to speak. So all the all the 90s stuff, they're trying to reproduce all the stuff that was during the 90s. And so my, I guess my I say all that to say, does that mean what we thought was cool when we growing up, when we were growing up, after we kind of grew up and, and the stuff wasn't as cool to us anymore? Is you think that has something to do with the, I guess, what, why there isn't such a love affair with the retros after the 14 or after the 17? I mean, for me personally, I think, you know, no matter what, in and this is kind of speaking to some of the newer stuff that comes out too, but no matter what, the player or the entertainer has to do something in that shoe for it to be significant 10 or 20 years down the road. 
Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, like you kind of get into that space where Jordan retired and came back and played in the 17 and played in the cool gray 11s and, you know, played in the true blues as a wizard. And those shoes still have, you know, enough of a, enough of a, of a nostalgic on court appeal to kind of still hype those up, I guess, after the fact. Um, but I don't see any shoes after that really having that kind of appeal. And, you know, part of it, yeah, it it is, you know, I would say guys like us who kind of had that same, all right, well, we were attached to MJ and what he did in it, you know, and then we kind of fell off into this, well, he's gone. Do I really want to keep buying Jordans? Yeah, I'm going to buy them for the collector aspect, but I'm not going to, you know, be as diehard as I maybe once was. And now you kind of have this this shift to like more of a marketing type thing where the kid has to has to be there and has to get the next release in order to be cool at school the next you know two weeks or whatever that is. However that is, whether it's ten pairs a month or or whatnot, like Russ kind of mentioned earlier. But do you feel like that's kind of gone away a little bit? Like I guess my biggest thought towards that is. A lot of people, you know, Jordans aren't that tough to get anymore. Like, yeah, it's still a struggle on Nike.com on Saturday mornings, but for the most part, like, most of them are made in such a high quantity that having the latest Jordan doesn't have the same kind of appeal as a lot of these other shoes that have been releasing, you know, whether it's uh, some of these collaborations or, you know, more limited stuff that some of these brands are doing. I think, personally, I think a, a lot of the reason it's not as hot is, A, you know, obviously the oversaturation, B, the colorways and the models that have dropped this year haven't been as strong, but another part is, like, anybody can wear Jordans now. Like, it's become such an identifier of, like, well, you're kind of a poser. What do you really know about sneakers just because you have a pair of Jordan 8s that just came out last week? I think that's another piece of it where people are just kind of bored with it. It doesn't have the same level of respect that it did, you know, four or five years ago when it started to really take off, and obviously when we were growing up in the 90s. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like in that sense, too, it's just it's all so fragmented now. You know, back then in the 90s or the 80s or whatever, it's like, you know, the cool shoe to have was whatever the top of the line shoe was. There were maybe two or three of them if you counted, you know, Nike, Adidas, Reebok, Converse or whatever. Um, you know, it was whatever the most expensive shoe was. And the Jordan ended up being top of the heap because Mike was Mike. And like there were four colors of that shoe a year. And that was it. You know, now it's like you're going to have like, I don't even know. I mean, if you count retro just retro Jordan product and just retro Jordan, like signature level product, like actual Air Jordans, you know, how many are there a year now? Like 40, 50 more? You know, it's like there is no definitive, like, all right, that's the cool shoe this season. And like you said, like it comes into, you know, whatever, whatever Ronnie's latest collab is, whatever, you know, size is doing or whoever. It's like around the world too. Um, and I feel like, you know, back then it was simple where it was like, all right, it's the greatest athlete doing the greatest things in the greatest shoe, period, easy, done. You know, and now it's like you have kids buying Jordans in there and maybe they're getting them because of that. But now that's all secondhand. They know that because we knew that. And like, all right, I have to get these. But it's like, you know, we had to get them because that was the cool thing to have. Kids now are getting them because someone maybe like us is telling them these are the cool things to have, which makes me wonder 
Yeah, it makes me wonder, and we'll get to this. I feel like I'm jumping the gun here, but like, that's where I wonder where retro is going to go in like five years, ten years, twenty years. You know, when people like us aren't buying sneakers anymore. You know, then why are you buying stuff? Then, then what is the the cool shoe to have? You know, is it going to be the shoes that people are doing things in now? Is it going to be LeBron's? Is it going to be KD's? Or is it still going to be those same Jordans? I was just going to say, I think that's a great point. And, but I also think like to, to something that you said, Brandon, you know, the average, cons- like for us, the guys that are into sneakers that are paying attention to it on a daily basis, because it's what we do, it's easier to get Jordans, but to the average consumer that has, you know, like pick, pick a family member that's slightly removed from where we're at that might see a pair of, of sixes and think, man, it would be great to have those because I remember, you know, Michael against the Lakers. That person doesn't know how to get those shoes. That person doesn't still doesn't have access to those shoes unless they're going to like the secondary market, in my opinion, because most people don't that are willing to kind of just buy the shoes casually aren't going to sit around on, on the Internet waiting for, you know, a Twitter link or whatever they have to do to get a pair of those shoes, in my opinion. But I do think that that, you know, that kind of does lead us into like what, you know, like what the future holds for these retros, because obviously a lot of the colors and a lot of the the models that are coming out right now are doing the same thing that, you know, a lot of the shoes did in, you know, like 2005, 2006 with like the 14s back then, you know, they sat for for quite a while. I mean, most of us remember getting a lot of that stuff on a discount. So will, will we see that again? I'm not sure. Yeah, that brings up a whole lot of questions. There's a whole lot of places we can go with that. Um, but I'm, I'm going to jump back to what Russ was saying about the uh, the future of retros. Um, I think one of the big things right now is that back back in our day, I got I got real old just saying that that term. But there was just there was really just Michael. I mean, there were other big stars. It was like Barkley, and there was there was David Robinson, and you know big dog and all these guys but none of them were were on michael's level as far as product but today they have like the kids today they have michael but then they have kobe they have kd they have lebron and to an extent they have you know derrick rose they have these guys that are that companies are making are using the the jordan blueprint for how they're marketing them to the kids these days. So I guess in, in, in respect to retros, I don't see, I, I guess I'm, I guess I don't know rather if Jordan retros will be as big then as Kobe, LeBron and KD retros will be 10 to 15 years from now. Now that's just my thoughts. I would love to hear with what one of you guys think on that. Um, I mean, I'll go first. I'll, I'll jump into this. if. <laughs> If I yeah, can. go for it. <laughs> um, you know, I think it goes back to like those earlier Jordan models. I mean, the one through five or the one through eight or, you know, one through 11, what have you. Um, you know, those still somehow seem purer than some of this stuff. And, um, you know, I think part of it is they weren't competing against themselves. You know, when the one when two came out, the one was gone after a while anyway, and the three and the four and whatever. They all got to like stand on their own and now if you release a shoe i mean going back to that whole thing about how they're you know it's so diluted you're not only competing if you're kobe 
your shoe isn't even isn't just competing against LeBron's shoe and KD's shoe and D Rose's shoe. You're competing against all of Jordan's shoes and all of Penny's shoes and Barkley's shoes and whoever else. And it's like that's not a big deal for the people you know like us or whoever who have a lot of shoes and have the luxury of being able to get a lot of different things. You know, but if you're the average kid, and I, I like to think the average kid isn't getting more than a couple pairs a year, you got to make that call. And it's like, okay, do I want, you know, my mom or myself to spend $200 on this new shoe that I don't even know, you know, whatever. If people decide they don't like it, then what? Or am I going to spend that $200 on an older Air Jordan or a Penny or whatever that's like an established classic? You know, I'll take the established classic, especially if I'm not going to play ball in it. Because um, I know a pair of Jordan 3s is going to break a lot more necks or, you know, get a lot more attention than whatever the newest LeBron is. Um, so, you know, I, I think that stuff, that stuff's going to carry. You know, because those Spike Lee commercials, you know, all that iconic stuff, Lil Penny or whatever, like, <laughs> Nike almost did too good a job at selling it. Like, they... they they made that stuff so iconic that it's lasted this long beyond those players' careers. You know, there's no reason to think it won't last a lot longer than that. I was going to say, I definitely agree with Russ. Like, you know, in a couple of features that I've wrote dealing with stuff that goes back to the 90s in terms of sneakers, I think it's very fair to say that we were fortunate enough to grow up during the greatest sneaker era and possibly one of the best music eras as well. Like, Everything 20, 25 years ago still rings out just as strong as it did back then, even with a generation of people that didn't grow up through it. You know, they're getting a little bit of knowledge from other people and they're getting a taste of that more and more because of the Internet. They're able to go back and check that stuff out. And I don't think that's going to go away. It just was one of the strongest decades, period, in terms of putting out a lot of pop culture stuff. I mean, what you had with Jordan, what you had with Shaq, what you had with Penny, Barkley, all those guys... I mean, it's just, it's still not going away because these guys have inserted themselves still today as established personalities within basketball. And I just don't see that going away. And I think Russ makes a great point is you have these, you know, iconic sneakers that you know are always going to do well when you're wearing them out in the streets versus a lot of these new colorways of the KDs, LeBrons, Currys, whatever, like, it has a very similar feel to, you know, you look back at a South Beach LeBron 8. How many people still wear that shoe? That's how a lot of shoes feel nowadays. I just, I just, kind, of, I just kind of feel like we're telling those people that these shoes are cool. And eventually we're going to be, you know, I'll just throw this out there. We'll be executives and we won't be talking to people. We won't be in a position to, to write about sneakers every day. We'll be, you know, and there'll be someone else that's telling people what's cool. And they'll be telling them, oh, the LeBron 8 is cool. The, the Kobe 5 is cool. Like, that's the, the Kobe 4 or the Kobe 8 or the, 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 the Rose 3. Like, they'll be having that conversation. And the and, I, and I'm not saying that Jordan will ever go the way of kind of like the like the Stan Smith or the or Chuck Taylor, where it's just like, oh, those are iconic shoes, yes, but they aren't as cool as the LeBron 8 or the Kobe 4. I think one of the things about the about that though, like you mentioned, like the Stan Smith or something like that, it's it's a the Jordan the Jordan One has been in production for regularly for years now in some shape or another. Um, I don't know if it's if it's you know 
I don't know how it compares to like a Stan Smith or a superstar or something like that from Adidas, but like, you know, as, as far as Jordan or Nike goes, I would say that it's probably second to only something like the Air Force One or the, or, you know, God forbid the Air Monarch or something <laughs> like that, you know? Um, but like, uh, to me, like my dad wears those, <laughs> uh, to me, those shoes are already, you know, kind of, kind of at that point. And yet they're still incredibly popular because of, you know, the storytelling aspect of Nike and the way that they're marketing it. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that the rest of them can do that. I think like, you know, kind of like Russ was saying, there's something about like, you know, the one through five that feels more pure or more, you know, I don't know, less botched, I guess. Cause I feel like a lot of the colors that come out on some of these other, you know, like the, don't get me wrong. Like I love like the, the, the Kilroy storyline, but all the colors that were in that pack were, you know, like, unless you're a, a fan of like the particular story or something that related to maybe your team or whatever, I don't see those shoes doing that well. And I think like a perfect example of that is the two nines that are on the shelves right now. Mm. The, uh, the gold accented one, the liberties or something like that. And then the, the black ones that essentially are the shoe that Jordan wore as a cleat basically. Um, you know, and, and they're not selling, you know, they're, they're selling slowly, you know, like, and that's the thing with, with, with retro product from Jordan, it always does sell, but it's, at, the longer it sits, the more those sales go to a secondhand, you know, reseller of some kind. So then, I guess, I guess my question now to you guys, and I'll start this one with uh, with you, Russ. Again, I know I'm picking. I feel like I'm picking on Russ. All good. Uh, start start with you, Russ. Where so how does how does Jordan Brand move past the retro situation that they're in? Like, will is is their business always going to be based? Well, I'm not always, but as of recently, like it seems like their business is based around retros and there just happens to be a signature shoe that's released that year as well. I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, it's like Mickey and the broomsticks and Fantasia, except I don't think there's a wizard coming to, uh, to end it all. And and I didn't even mean the pun with the wizard thing that just kind of happened. Um, you know, it's like they open this Pandora's box for, if you'll allow me to mix metaphors. And it's like, at this point, like you're, you're not gonna, you know, Jordan can't go away from it. There's, there's too much money to be made. There's too much. They're too popular. You know, there's too much story to mine with those things. I mean, looking at like things like the, uh, the 88 threes releasing at the moment of the dunk contest, which I honestly think is something they should do more of. Um, you know, obviously they have tons of heritage to draw on and to briefly I I thought of this when you mentioned or Nick mentioned the Stan Smith you know it's like look how successful that shoe is and that shoe has almost none of the um like it has the backstory but I mean it doesn't have the commercials Stan Smith the person has nowhere near the recognition that Michael Jordan does you know you can go on YouTube and watch Jordan videos all day long even going back to his rookie year you know, Stan Smith is kind of ancient history compared to that. And that shoe is still a staple. I mean, the Jordan one, like those videos aren't going away. Those commercials aren't going away. Like every year just adds like another sort of layer of pop culture relevance to that shoe. Like it's going to be around long after us, you know, unfortunately, unless we all get frozen or something. 
Um, you know, <laughs> and, and and those shoes are just more wearable. You know, I mean that that's that's always what I come back to as far as with comparing a Jordan to a LeBron or a Kobe or anything else. I mean, I know like fall rolls around like now. I mean, it's doing that in New York. I don't know about for you guys, but. Um, you know, I put a pair of jeans on with a pair of Jordan ones and it's like, all right, I'm good. You know, I put a pair of jeans on with a pair of current basketball shoes, like LeBron's or something. And I feel like, you know, what am I doing? Like I should be wearing these with shorts. I should be on a court with these, not in the street. I'm much more likely to go back to an older pair. Um, but even LeBron like threes or fours or, you know, what have you, it, it still feels a little too performancey. You know, and I think that era of like, I would say even the early 80s, or even you can go back further, I mean, you can go back to like 69 and the superstar, but like that, you know, first era basically of leather basketball shoes lasting into like the early 90s, that stuff just translates so well to the street. Like anything you design to compete with that at this point is going to have to be like that. And to, it, it, I'm going on way too long here, but to kind of pull that back to the original question with what Jordan will do, you know, I'm curious about how this Westbrook zero does because the only thing you can do other than pure retro is like sort of retro inspired lifestyle and just like a basic rubber sole stitched onto a leather upper with stitching and not like synthetics because the synthetic woven stuff, I mean, that stuff's great. Don't get me wrong. Like I love fly knit. Or prime and prime knit and whatever other knit any other company wants to claim, but um, you know that stuff kind of has a time and place, and something like a Jordan One is just timeless. You can wear it with anything. Yeah, and I th I think too on top of that, there's a sense of like you know kind of like with Sam Smiths, you know, like there's a sense of you know this will come back around, and even if you have you know Chicago Ones, Bread Ones, whatever colorway you choose. You can you can wear them in the winter time. You can skate in them. You can play in them. You can just live in them, and you kind of just in the back of your mind know that they're probably going to come back around at some point, and you'll be able to get another pair if you want to years down the road. Where with like you know like say like a LeBron four or something like that, or even like with the Westbrook zero, who knows? You know, like part of it is like okay, this is cool, but but I might not like it. I might not want it and or I might not ever see it again. So maybe there's some sense of like, you know, preservation there with, with people wearing them. Which honestly, like, it's funny to sort of piggyback on Nick's point there. Like, you know, I think is a reason why Jordan should take like their most popular stuff. I mean, whether it be the, the black cement three or the, you know, the black and red ones or, um, you know, the black cement fours too they should actually retro those more often. You know, I think by putting them out like so infrequently, that kind of almost inspires people to hoard them. It's like, oh man, I got to get these and I'm going to keep them on ice until they come back out again. But if you know they're dropping every year, you're just going to buy them and wear them if you really like them. And if you like them yep. that much, and if you do buy them and you do wear them, you're going to need another pair the next year anyway. Like if you buy them and just stash them, by the time they come back out, it's like, oh, well, I bought two pairs last time. But if you know they're coming back, you're just going to buy that one pair maybe, wear the hell out of them, and when they come around again, you get another pair. I mean, I feel like that's what people do with stands. It's definitely what people do with chucks. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, with Chucks and Chucks and Shelto's. I would say that's definitely, definitely. the fill there. I, and, and I will admit I am guilty. Like, I will, I wore, like, when those Blacksmith 3s came out, I wore them like crazy. But the further I get away from that release, the less I wear them because I'm like, all right, like, I want to beat them up, but I can't beat them up too bad because I don't know when these are coming back. Right, right. I mean, I say, if I knew white, black, and red Jordan 1s definitely. were coming out every year, I would wear them all the time. And I just buy a new pair every year. Yep. Same here. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think we did a feature about that at Complex like in 2012 where we went through a list of shoes that should just always yeah. be in production yeah. all the time. And a lot of that was some of those classic retro Jordans and stuff like that. Because, you know, to your guys' point, if I knew that I was going to be able to get a pair of black and red Jordans whenever I want, I'd probably go through like six pairs a year, not even joking. I probably wouldn't wear anything else because that'd be the only thing I'd want to rock and then just keep re-upping and re-upping the same way skaters do right. with Vans. Right. So now, okay, so then now now my question is, would you then, if it, if you know you're going to, there's always going to be a, I'm sorry, if you know there's always going to be a pair around, I feel like because we know that Stan Smith, because we know Chuck Taylor, and because we know like Shelto's are always going to be around, that we don't necessarily pay as much attention to them anymore. That's fine. I mean, I think people, I, th I think like you don't pay attention to them with the like, oh God, I've got to get these. But, you know, like a, a shoe like the Stan Smith, I mean, or even like a Rod Laver, like whenever those are around and, you know, I'm cheap, so I wait for them to go on sale. But like whenever those are around, I typically pick up a pair or two because I see them and it's like, okay, well, the last pair I, I've worn through a little bit or, you know, I want a fresh pair or whatever. And I don't think it. I don't think it changes the fact that I'm still buying those shoes. I think it's just that I'm I'm happier not having to like line up for them, wait for wait online Saturday mornings for them. I just know that they're going to come back and they're going to be there. And it's kind of like Chucks. I probably own 50 pairs of Chucks in different colors, and you know, like I've never had to wait in line for a pair. But when I see them for 30 bucks, it's like, well, I'm going to wear those, so I'll go get a pair. Yeah, I mean, the sad truth is, like, the, the reason that a lot of people gravitate towards these Jordans and a lot of other stuff is because what social media has turned a lot of sneaker stuff into. You know, people are grabbing the latest and greatest hype shoe because they think it's going to get them some popularity. It's going to get them more followers and likes, and they want this instant gratification. I think that's what a lot of it boils down to. That's what brands are hoping on that they can hype something up so well people need it so bad so they can look cool, whereas if it's releasing all the time, you know, you post a pair of you wearing chucks with a pair of jeans how many people really care how many people pay attention to it and you know just kind of going back to what i half jokingly said like who cares like i would prefer it gets back to like that like i remember reading russ write a long form feature about being able to go in and walk in and buy shoes like that like it was nothing back in the 90s like you know how great would it be to get back to stuff like that where it's not announced it's just literally randomly shows up on a shelf one day and you don't have to fight through 50 people to get it anymore you know, Russ's point, I think that's where Jordan Brand should take it, is start putting some of these iconic classics and just steadily releasing them the right way and having them available for people all the time. It's going to help their money out. Like, we know that ones are a lot more limited than these random colorways of Jordan 8s that pop up out of nowhere from some story theme or whatever it is. You know, it's getting away from that stuff and going back to some of the classic stuff and just having it more readily available. They're still going to get their money and people are going to be a lot more happy with that. That's just my opinion. All right, guys. So that's our part one of our retro talk. We we obviously have a lot to say about Jordan Brand and the state of Jordan Brand and the retros. 
but we promised you we'd keep it to 30 minutes. So we're going to cut it off here. But if you still want to listen, there's going to be a link down below in the description to part two of this conversation. Um, so if you're leaving, I just want to say thank you guys for watching, watching outside the podcast or listening to outside the pod, outside the box, sorry, outside the box podcast. Uh, I am Jacques Slade. You can find me at Cousteau on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and all that stuff. But again, I'm not here by myself. I'm here with Brandon as well. Brandon, go ahead, give them your information. Hey, you guys can follow me at uh, MrBrando3, M-R-B-R-A-N-D-O-3 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Nick, what do you got? I'm at Nick Ingvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on pretty much everything. And you can check me out at most of my writing at sneakerhistory.com. And uh, also Russ Bankston, who's with us today as a guest. Russ, let him know. Yeah, I'm just Russ Bankston at everything, all one word, T before the S. I think you can hopefully sort out the rest. Um, yeah, and you can you can find a lot of stuff on Complex. So, yeah, still here. Yeah, and definitely definitely remember the T before stuff. the S. Yeah, and lots of great stuff. The T before the <laughs> S. T before the S. I always mess that up. Yeah, all that matters. All right, guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, if you have anything to say about anything we said. Tweet any of us. Uh, Russ gave you his info, my info, Brandon's info, Nick's info, and uh, use the hashtag outside the box. And we appreciate you guys. And uh, click below for part two.